0: Welcome back to the DSO Decision, episode 11. I'm here host, Brian Hanks, here with my trusty co-host, David Cohen Esquire. David, hello. Looking forward to being here. Thanks for joining us. This is the money question, Uh, and not maybe partially literally money, bags of cash, but it's the question that I get asked the most often as the accountant on deals. And I'm sure you get asked the question even as the lawyer, even though dentists know, David's probably not gonna give me an answer. I'm fairly positive they still ask you, David, Am I getting a good deal? Is this a good DSO offer? Do you get that question?
1: I get that question all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an impossible question to answer without (laughs) asking further question in response.
0: We're going to answer that question to the best of our ability in this episode. And, um, you know, to an extent, so this is episode 11. We're more than halfway through the, the season of this podcast. And we did this like a season because in reality, it uh, doesn't make sense for there to be, at least in my opinion, doesn't make sense to do a weekly podcast on DSOs, because DS, the DSO decision comes at a dentist at a point in time in their life. It uh, sometimes it's one year, sometimes it's five years from now. I would say most dentists are going to have a conversation with the DSO at some point, and um, you know, I wanted to people to be able to binge this like a season on Netflix. I want them to cap. You know, they don't need to be up to date and listen to this podcast every week. Uh, so with that being said, we're we're eleven episodes in, <clears throat> to a degree, and to pr- probably to a large degree, we've kind of tried to answer this question throughout the season so far, right? We've talked about what's a reasonable range of prices. What are some of the deal points that people get stuck on? Where's a DSO going to try to be tricky? Where are they not going to be tricky? And um, so, in a sense, this is a little bit of a recap and a little bit of a reminder to people of how to think of the question. Is my offer a good offer? So, all right. So, David, I'll I'll tee it up that way. Let me just start the discussion by saying, uh, or by asking you, how do you think through an answer to that question? So, Dennis' client comes to you. um, They've hired you. They think they're probably going to move forward with a DSO offer, but they're open to maybe pulling the plug. And they come to you and they say, David, is, is this offer even any good? You know, what are your criteria to answer that question?
1: Well, first of all um i'm actually looking forward to flipping it back to you because i know you're gonna have some some great answers and i'm also i'm just really curious as to your thoughts on it but um you know as far as i'm concerned i think you know the biggest question for me is what does the doctor want out of the deal what are they looking for and what what do they need um is it the most amount of money is it autonomy is it only needing to work for three years even though most dsos want them to work for five you know is it is it the reverse where they want to work perpetually for 15 more years and don't want to be terminated you know there's all these different factors that that go into it and so i think the biggest thing for those of you out there that are advisors um but also for those of you that are um that are the doctors to to have an understanding that whether a deal is quote unquote good or not really is very personal. Is, is it good for you? And I think we need to flip the question back to you to find out what exactly is it that you want out of the deal. And if that's the case, then we examine it. If it's you want the most money, then let's look at what other offers you got versus the one that you're thinking of taking and which one's going to offer you the best
0: economics, right? For example. So I, that's how I would answer that. When I get asked the question, the dentist, I, I do try to translate the question for him and ask him a version of what you just said. I use a pretty terrible analogy, admittedly, but I say like, you know, hey, hey doctor, are you married, um, you know, and, and a lot, of, most people say yes, or sometimes they're not, or they're in a significant relationship of some kind. And I just say, all right, is your husband any good? Is, you know, or is your wife any good? And <laughs> it's kind of a showstopper question. Right, right, right. There's so many factors to consider. What, what do you mean? Are we talking looks? Are we talking, you know, we, right. know too far down that road, yeah. but you know, like, <laughs> I would think, hopefully, most people think the answer to that question is yes, but every spouse is different, right? And everybody kind of matched up with somebody different for different reasons. And uh, the same analogy applies admittedly terribly to DSO decision. But but here's another, if dentists are honest with me, and sometimes they are, is if, Brian, I want to know, am I getting a better deal than my buddy? That's a lot of times that's what they mean with that question. They it's, it's not so much how good of a fit is this offer with my life goals. It's, is my deal better than the other three guys that I'm going to go golfing with? And, and that's, hey, that's a fair question. I, I'm not going to judge you and tell you that's a terrible qu- that question to ask. If that's your question, go for it. And, and we can answer that question too to a degree. Um, but I would say the better question to ask is, what are my goals here? And does this offer meet my goals? Yes or no. And the really, really hard part about the better question is to be honest with yourself about your goals. Uh, I find the doctors who have an easier time being honest, have some kind of health issue or they're they're worried about they're an oral surgeon that's got a slight tremor in the hand and they're like, "Ooh, man, I don't know. You know, how many years do I have left to have the precision that I'm going to need to be doing my job? You know, I'm 42 and I've got a tremor in my hand. I better take some chips off the table. Okay. No problem. That's easy. But when it is, and I had a high school buddy of mine who's a dentist in Colorado call me up age 38. Hey, Brian, is my offer any good? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what, what are your goals here? Well, I'm not really sure. Okay. Let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about goals. Is it money? Is it prestige? Is it ego? Is it, um, you know, uh, you know, what is it? Is it control? You don't like to manage people, all of the things. So, so my first advice to people is, to decide for yourself what a good offer is, and then yeah, then we can help you answer the question of how it matches up against other offers, and and how well that fits. But it's such a personal question. So anything to add uh, before we? Yeah, talk I about mean, it? I
1: th- I think you nailed it. I, I mean,
0: it, verbatim,
1: I was gonna say it's also a component that the doctor be honest with themselves, and and the reason why I say that, you know, it just to kind of introduce another thing to this is. If the doctor is saying they want the most amount of money, I think the doctor has to be very honest with themselves about if that's actually true, right? Because, you know, there's nothing wrong, by the way, with a doctor wanting the most amount of money. There's nothing wrong. Whatever the doctor's priority is, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying they've got to identify what that is, and that's going to help lead them to the correct deal and the correct DSO. Right. But I also think that it's important that whatever the doctor thinks is their priority, that they are very honest with themselves about that, because here's the thing, if they want the, if they say they want the most amount of money, but yet they get, you know, they want their cake and eat it too. And they take the deal that has the most amount of money. But then, you know, that deal wants them to work for eight more years and they don't want to work eight more years. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a problem. And that's, that's not the best fit as yeah. as a, as, as an option. Or if a doctor says they don't need the money, they just want the best fit. And then, you know, you get halfway through the deal and they're complaining about, you know, the economics of the deal. You know, that's also, you you know, I think you have to be accountable as a doctor because you're not going to get absolutely everything you want. Just inherently, if a DSO is going to give you top dollar and you're going to get the most money out of it, then most likely they're going to be a little less. Um, prone to want to agree to a lot of changes to the documents because they're essentially saying, we're going to give you the best, you know, economic deal that we can give you, but we also don't want a lot of changes here in in exchange for that. And so there's, there's always going to be some give and take. And I think you have to understand that uh, as a doctor, when
0: you go into these deals. Totally. Let's take the doctor that is worried, not worried, but is asking the question from the perspective of money. Okay. So to review for folks, we use a term called enterprise value. Enterprise value was the total value that this DSO um, uh, gives to your dental practice. Oftentimes it's expressed in terms of a multiple of EBITDA, EBITDA being earnest earnings before interest depreciation taxes, amortization, I'm pretty sure I missed a letter in there, but you get the point. And uh, enterprise value on a DSO deal tends to be bigger than a private deal, uh, you know, a young dentist buying from an older doctor. Uh, so if it's just, David, check me here. If it's just, I want to look the best on the golf course. And if I'm honest with myself, I want the highest enterprise value. I want to tell people my dental practice was worth X times EBITDA. Um, you know, what were the ranges that we talked about? And and where would you tell a dentist that, uh, you know, thumbs up? That's actually a pretty good deal. From an EBITDA standpoint? I mean, just EBITDA.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think things are changing a little bit in, in the, economic climate right now but traditionally i would say that you know if if a doctor is a gp and they're between the four to six um yeah. multiple of EBITDA, and if they're a specialist and they're in the five to seven that's probably you know that would those would be kind of like the norms now yeah. you're gonna get those that um get get eight um i've had some get between eight and nine that are packaged with multiple other practices at once um, or they're like multi-locations or they're sort of a landmark practice for the DSO. They know that once they get that one in, they're going to be able to build around it with several others. There's always going to be like the exceptions, right? And, uh, you know, I've seen GPs get seven, seven or eight, um, but, you know, not that often. Typically, the specialists are going to get a higher multiple of EBITDA. So um, those are the ranges that you're typically seeing. It'd be extraordinarily rare to see anything over eight or nine, Mm -hmm. um again unless like you're packaged with multiple other
0: practices at the same time perfect love it now what you just did is you just gave every dentist out there a benchmark and now every single dentist that listens to this podcast is going to assume they're going to get 10. exactly (laughs) every dentist on the planet thinks they live in what lake wobegon and they are exceptional which is tricky because every dentist is exceptional they were always the top one but just guys and gals remember we're comparing you to the other 1% of the dental right. population here. So when David says, if you're a GP expect four to six and you get an offer of four, that doesn't mean that you're getting a bad deal. It means that you're in the normal range. Okay, so. Yeah, so- and, and
1: I would also say too that, um, you know, the, the important thing to understand is that every practice is different. Every practice has right. its own elements. And it's also important to entertain multiple offers so that you have a true understanding of the market. The other thing that's important to understand is that the DSOs are purchasing your practice so they can package them up and resell and, you know, and flip them. Yeah. Right. And it, what we called, we, we talked about as a second bite of the apple early in our earlier podcast. Yeah. And so in doing so they have to take into account what they may be flipping for and you know most likely it's going to be in the 10 to 15 multiple range and 15 only if they've got like massive amounts of practices i mean it's probably going to be more like 10 to 12 Mm -hmm. and so they can't pay you 10 yeah and then flip for 10. you know i mean it just doesn't make sense and so you have to understand that and that's why there, you know, there's only a certain amount that doctors are really typically able to get. The other thing that's important for you as a doctor to make sure about, and this goes back to one of our prior podcasts, and it's cool how these all tie together, is that when there is that flip, you want to make sure that you're not capped on that multiple. um, Or if you are capped on the multiple, when there's a recapitalization flip event, that there's a legitimate reason why, and that you understand that reason um, before you sign those doctors, so that's just kind of like a side note, but like yep. back to the point, that's why you're going to probably not see better than eight or nine. So all those doctors out there that, you know, now are going for a 10, you have to understand that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Perfect. Let me give you the scenario of a doctor who, um, I don't know, you know, they've got a, a buddy who's a medical doctor, just did a CT scan, some kind of uh, blood work or something. The doc knows their terminal. They've got three years to live, five years to live or something. Their goal is to cash out as much as possible, uh, as much in the bank account today as possible. Okay, so we're not. Um, there's there's a lot of you know we talked about holdbacks, earnouts, subordinations. There's the um, you know equity piece we've talked about. If my goal were to maximize cash in my bank account today, David, how would I think about what a quote unquote good offer is, and what what are some numbers I should be thinking about? Well, I think with respect to that,
1: I, I don't think that's going to change the multiple. The multiple is yeah. probably going to be the multiple. But the question is, you know, how is that going to be paid? And and I say the multiple is the mul- multiple, but if the DSO understands that the doctor is terminal and they play a huge role in the practice, they're not just sort of like managing it from the outside and they have all these associates cranking then you know i think full disclosure by the way is going to is going to be critical
0: because yeah, sure ask, like this is a side tangential note right the doctor have to tell them their terminal but uh yeah, yeah i mean I as know, a doctor,
1: i've definitely had doctors tell me that they think that you're they're you know there's a potential disability or that there's a potential of this or that and i'm always a proponent of being transparent and open a because i think it's the right thing to do ethically but b because it could come back to bite you, you know? I mean, you don't want the DSO to come back and sue you and prove that you knew that, that you, you know, had this disability and, and didn't say anything. And, you know, you breached reps and warranties in the agreement, which we've talked about on the prior podcast, the reps and warranties. So I think number one, full disclosure is important. But number two, I would say, if you're in that situation, a good deal would be getting the, the most money and the most money that you can get up front so that the money's in your bank account so it might mean that you get lesser money uh, you know overall in the deal because you're front loading the deal Mm -hmm. but you at least secure the most amount of money that you possibly can in that situation because if there are earnouts or money that you know you don't have yet and your terminal you don't have a whole lot of you know you, you just don't know what the future holds and you may not um benefit from that now your estate probably would yeah. But again, we don't know to what extent, like, does the stock get bought back by
0: the DSO at half the price? You know, we'd have to look through all There's the doctors. so many questions, which is why that doctor wants cash today. And, and the numbers that I'm, that I have stuck in my head are 60 to 80% of whatever enterprise value they assign to the deal. Um, is that, am I close on that? And can you remind me where the, the, a good range would be? In what event? In the event uh, that... Just cash up front, you know? Wh- oh, where- yeah. Yes, exactly. That's that's tip, typically you're going to see 60 to 80% cash up front. So if I'm honest with David, my goal, hey David, my goal is to get as much cash as I can up front and you say, OK, yep. OK, rather than asking for 60% cash, we're going to ask for 80. That's on the upper end of what would be considered normal. Uh, that means we're going to have to give here, give there, give over, you know, on this document, et cetera, et cetera. But we're going to get you that 80 and, and that would be good.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, it's not unheard of to get 100. I mean, it's not it doesn't happen that often. But I've had doctors that um, weren't terminal, and it wasn't a physical thing. It's like they just didn't want to do dentistry anymore. Yeah. And they worked out a deal with the DSO to buy 100% pay it all up front, no stock, and yeah. nothing going forward. And so but they also took a little bit of less money, less enterprise value in order to get it all up front, as opposed to over time. And obviously, the doctor lost the upside, but the advantage for the DSO is that they don't have to pay as much money. And the doc has to find a way to show up motivated to work for the next three to five years. But uh, Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly right. So like, well, in that circumstance, the doctor like didn't, you know, they maybe gave him one year and everybody knew about it, but they took significantly less money. And the DSO knew that they had other associates in place that could really run with things. So there are a lot of things that had to go into it. And I wouldn't count on getting 100%. Okay. But as a doctor out there, I would just let you know that it's never off the table as a discussion.
0: The other common uh, reason, my, I guess, big common reason I hear dentists choosing to sell to a DSO is they're just fed up with the business side of dentistry. Hiring, firing, marketing, filling patient, you know, filling the schedule, dealing with insurance and billing and everything else. Uh, so, If I'm, again, I'm honest with myself, I decide, you know what, I just want to work on teeth. I just, I just want to be really, really good clinically. I don't want to worry. I want to show up. I want the schedule to be full. I want there to be interesting cases on my schedule. And uh, yeah, I'd like, I prefer to like the patients, but really if I need to sedate them and knock them out and never talk to them, great. You know, I just want to be an awesome dentist. Um, how do I think about good in that, in that terminology? Like what are the markers that I'm looking for? This isn't a money question now. Now it feels like a fit question or like the terms of my deal or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you said this on one of our earlier podcasts of this season, again, they all, these all seem to tie into each other yeah. is that, um, as a doctor, you want to make sure that the DSO that you're partnering with does actually come in and take that load off of you because, you know, a good, what is a good fit? I would say it's a, it's a DSO fit that comes in and actually does take off the load that doesn't expect you to still continue to do some of the management things related to the practice, even though you're not really supposed to, and doesn't just leave you on an Island. Um, and, and I think that's important because, you know, some doctors have had some bad experiences where they think they're, you know, letting the DSO take all the load off of them. And then. They're, they're operating the practice and it doesn't feel like anything different than before, other than the DSO weighing in on, th- you know, economic things and, and intervening in that sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the I yeah, would say is finding a DSO that's willing to take that load off of you yeah. and doing your homework to make sure that that DSO is actually
0: going to do what they say they're going to do. And I would imagine the homework involves calling other doctors that are working with the DSO, searching around, networking, you know, blunt conversations with the owners of the DSO. What does your plan look like, et cetera. And uh, I would caution doctors that, it, that there's never going to be perfect information here. At some point you're going to have to, you know, take the leap, but, uh, but yeah. The- and you can
1: mitigate your risk too, as a doctor by, um, you know, trying to exactly. take less, st- like the more stock you have, the more that that's going to matter because like, if the DSO is putting all the management on you, what is your recourse? Well, just not doing it. Well, if you don't do it, the practice suffers. And if the practice suffers and you're still a 40% owner, you suffer. So, you know, you can mitigate your risk by, you know, the lesser amount of equity that you can have and the more amount of cash you can get upfront, but that also like lessens your upside over the years too. So you have to kind of
0: balance that out. Love it, okay. Uh, we're around time. Um, any last words you'd share with doctors or, or at, when you're having these conversations with doctors and they're trying to, they're really, this is a, at its heart, it's an emotional question. Am I getting a good deal sound could sound mathematical, but it, it really isn't. It's an emotional question. So last words of wisdom, David, to share as we wrap up.
1: Well, yeah, I think the biggest advice that I could give is to be honest with yourself. And um, really use some soul searching and determine what do you want out of the deal. And I think that also it's important to understand that a good deal um, isn't always what's market. But for most doctors, I-, I do think it's important to ensure that the deal is market. Be- why? Because it's unlikely that you're going to find a deal that is not market. And, um, you know, at least in the direction that's beneficial to you as a doctor, the, you know, the upside And so it doesn't mean that there aren't deals that are above market out there, but most deals are market. That's why it's called market. So I think you have to be honest with yourself about what you want out of it and what's market. And I caution this, this is major. Do not do this, doctors. I mean, this is something that I, I mean, I can't stress enough. Don't go out there and just say, I love my practice. I don't need to sell it, but all my friends are getting these major multiples. I'm just gonna go hire a broker, have them do all this work, get all these offers, and get into a DSO deal. And if I can get everything I want out of this and get my kick and eat it too, then great. I'll do it and I'll sell. But if I don't get absolutely everything I want, no worries, I don't have to sell. This isn't something you just dip your toes in. There are significant legal fees. There are significant accounting fees. There's time, money, and headaches for all involved, including the DSO that you wanna be fair to. Um, this is a grind. I mean, any doctor that's out there that has had a DSO deal fall through, that's had to go back to the well and do another one after that, will tell you firsthand, this is a grind. There's deal fatigue involved. They're going to want every single document you have in your practice. There's a lot of due diligence. It's worth it in the end once you sell, but you don't just do it to do it to just see if you can get your cake and eat it too, right? Right. You need to sell because you want to sell, not because you're just trying to see what's out there and if you can like get off, you know, scot free by getting some ridiculous offer
0: and running with it. So that that would be my biggest advice. I, I you're you're 100 correct. I do think a lot of dentists think I can have a couple steak dinners paid for by the DSO. By the way, um, I'll spend an afternoon with my accountant and I'll I'll see what they give me. And it's not even right. for that simple. So it's not. It's a di- and it's also a disrespect to others' time.
1: And as you as a doctor, you wouldn't want someone wasting your time. Right. And I think it's important to value others' time and to make sure that this is something that you actually want to do because the chances of you finding that deal where it's everything you want in every single capacity are pretty much zero. Because even if the operational guys at the DSO want to give it to you, uh the you know the private equity that backs them is not so i think ultimately you just have to understand do not do that it's not and you you're gonna waste a lot of your own time yep
0: yeah uh by the way david i know um My steak dinner analogy, totally offensive to the Californians who, the, the, the correct <laughs> analogy was um, the, uh, v- the vegan arugula salad with <laughs> avocado dressing and sprouts. Uh, so my apologies. Exactly. Unless it's organic, I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, thanks. Um, yeah. Can't wait to talk. We're, we're going to talk about one more set of considerations, things um, that aren't necessarily individual to the dentist themselves, although impact the dentist other considerations to either accept or not accept DSO offers in episode 12. Uh, David, thank you so much for being a part of the DSO decision. Thanks for making me a part of it. Excited to keep these moving.